While there remain discussions as to how much individual sectors within agriculture and, in fact, across the economy should contribute to reducing greenhouse gas emissions, there seems to be a general consensus that everyone has some role to play in reducing emissions. How, then, can we do that without creating significant disruptions to food production. Some will argue that uh, some mitigation measures will dramatically affect farmers. Others argue that there are things we can do uh, within the current production system to significantly reduce emissions without making significant compromises. My name is Mike von Massow, and this is the Food Focus podcast. My guest this time is uh, Dr. Claudia Wagner-Riddle, from the School of Environmental Studies at the University of Guelph. Claudia studies mitigation of greenhouse gas emissions from ag production systems. Uh, She's a world leader and brings her perspective to a discussion in this episode of specifically reducing emissions, nitrous oxide and others, from crop production. She argues that there are a lot of things that we can do and some emerging technologies that will probably allow us to Uh, reduce emissions without significantly impacting production. There will be some management requirement. There will be some changes in how we do things, but that we can achieve those uh, both reducing emissions and do it profitably. This is the first of a a series of episodes where we will talk about greenhouse gas emissions and agriculture, both the the technical side with Claudia and we'll talk to an economist about what the financial impacts of some of these things uh, might be. So let's get straight to my conversation with Claudia. I'm sure you'll find it interesting. Good morning, Claudia. Thanks for taking the time today. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thanks. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. And, and, and today we're, we're doing the first half of a couple of episodes to talk about uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions in agriculture. And what I'd like to get from you is... Uh, sort of have a conversation about about where those emissions are coming from and what some things we might do to reduce them are. Uh, I'll start first that despite some contention, we know agriculture's contribution to greenhouse gases. Uh, there are people who will argue that uh, perhaps we shouldn't, uh, you know, we shouldn't be first in agriculture. Look, cars are bigger or this is bigger and, and we should reduce those first. The truth is we need to reduce everywhere. And agriculture has a has a part to play. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the National Inventory Report uh, from Environment and Climate Change Canada, they put out a report every year to the United Nations um, Convention on Climate Change that, that breaks down the emissions from different sectors. So the agricultural sector... Um, contributes about 10% of the overall emissions in Canada. Of those, 50%, so half of the 10% is due to livestock, uh, both manure and uh, the animals themselves. uh, Ruminants produce methane in their rumen. And then 20% is energy-related, so fossil fuel use on the farm. And 30% is uh, related to crop production, and that is exclusively nitrogen use in um, in agriculture. So that's fertilizer. Yes, fertilizer, exactly. So, so, so let's so let's start then. Let's start on crops then, uh, mm-hmm. nitrogen, because uh, nitrogen 
doesn't produce methane, but nitrous oxide, which is a particularly strong greenhouse, maybe strong isn't the right word, but a, a, a particularly important greenhouse gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so ni nitrous oxide is produced by microbes in the soil. This is a, a natural process that happens with, uh, actually with any nitrogen source, be it manure, crop residue, legumes, and inorganic fertilizer, so synthetic fertilizer. In natural ecosystems, that emission is quite small, but if we add an, an additional source, like we do in agriculture, then we get these uh, big emission events of nitrous oxide. And uh, yes, it's a potent greenhouse gas, and more importantly, uh, now the federal government does have targets for reduction of nitrous oxide or fertilizer-related emissions. Now, I should add that fertilizer, inorganic fertilizer, also has uh, emissions related to uh, fossil fuel use because it's a very in energy-intensive process. That is not included in the 10% from agriculture. It's included in the industry side, but it, it's also a significant uh, impact. So, you know, the, these new targets, I think, have everybody wondering uh, how we're going to accomplish this, but I, I think this is a, a pretty reasonable target and it will make for additional environmental improvements. Yeah, nitrogen use in agriculture has other impacts beyond nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide contributes to climate change through the, the its greenhouse gas impact. It is a greenhouse gas. It, it's also a contributor to... This, uh, sorry, stratospheric ozone layer destruction. Uh, it's a very inert gas, so it, it stays in the atmosphere. It ends up in the stratosphere, which is that layer uh, well above 10 kilometers. And, uh, and that means, you know, letting more UV radiation through because the ozone layer protects us from UV radiation. Now there's actually talk of including nitrous oxide in the Montreal Protocol, which regulates CFCs, uh, which are the main mm -hmm. culprit in destruction of stratospheric ozone. And then there's all the water-related nitrogen issues in terms of eutrophication, uh, ammonia volatilization, which causes ba bad air quality. And there's economic reasons, and I know you, you'll be following this up with some discussion <laughs> Uh, on costs and benefits of nit or nitrogen management yeah. from an economic per perspective. So, so, so that 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 highlights the need to to look at uh, what we're doing from a nitrogen perspective, and and what what some in agriculture will say is, well, well, wait a minute, if we change the use of fertilizer, we'll dramatically increase uh, the cost of of crop production and will reduce yields and we'll end up with less food availability. Uh, what can we do to balance those concerns? Are there things that we can do to reduce our emissions while, while maintaining some level of agricultural production? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely. I, I think, um, so nitrogen is, as you mentioned, like it's, it's essential for crop production because we remove grain, right? So basically when you're doing that, you're removing nutrients and those nutrients 
don't very effectively cycle back. Mm -hmm. So they end up in food and feed, uh, you know, yes, manure gets cycled back, but it's their losses along the way. And then not that those nutrients don't return. So this is why we do need to replace the nitrogen removed with other sources. And those sources can be inorganic nitrogen, manure nitrogen, uh, legumes, you know, the sources don't matter that much. Like the importance is that that nitrogen gets replenished. The issue is, as we know, that the crop production varies a lot from year to year, right? So how to know, that is a huge challenge for farmers, how to know what to apply. I think the, the uh, if you were, you're a farmer, a business person, you will always err on the side of applying a little bit more because you're not going to be one, like that's one thing that you can control uh, you can't control the weather, you can't control a whole bunch of other things, but you can't control what, like your inputs. And, and, and that is then the big challenge. The loss of that opportunity of having a big yield versus all the other times where you may have overapplied, so you've had less profits because you overapplied, you didn't need to apply as much. That, that does not have as much of an impact I think in in sort of for a business person, then missing that opportunity where you could have made money, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. So we we need to apply enough that if 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 the circumstances are ideal, we can get that super crop. Yeah. And, and we we notice when we don't get the super crop, <laughs> we <laughs> don't think about the fact that we overapplied necessarily. Yeah, so going back to how do we manage that better is, uh, it, it is tricky, but I, I think it is doable. It will involve more work, in a sense, from farmers or more involvement in getting to understand the nitrogen uh, cycle in terms of soils and losses and how weather impacts that for their own farm. Because the, the issues are that these the availability of nitrogen is very regional and locally uh, determined. And what I mean availability is of soil nitrogen. So crops don't get just the fertilizer. They also get a big chunk of their needs from the soil. Uh, and that is, I think, in general, very like underestimated by farmers, how much that pool of nitrogen, but it also, it, it does vary with soil type and with climate. So farmers need to get involved in uh, evaluating that on their own farm. One, one way is to um, use zero N strips, right? So you don't apply anything. All of the nitrogen that will go into the crop will be from the soil. So you get kind of an estimate, how much is my soil contributing? And then there are other more sort of technical ways uh, that you involve the use of the four R's. So that is a nutrient stewardship program designed by uh, Fertilizer Canada to uh, guide fertilizer application. So that involves the right rate. So we've been talking about rate, yeah. uh, the timing, the product, the type of product that is applied and 
and where the placement in the soil. So all of those are factors that help to get more of the nitrogen into the plant and reduce the losses. I apologize. The dogs just came home. I'll have to edit that out. Just give me a second. So what you're saying is we might need a little bit more management of our approach to applying uh, applying nitrogen, thinking about what we're, how much we're applying, what we're applying, when we're applying it, mm-hmm. uh, doing some experiments on our farm to see what are we getting from the soil. So saying we'll do a little strip with nothing just so that we, we learn. It, it sounds like that, that, that there are lots of things we can do. We have a good understanding. If, if I'm a farmer and say, is that going to cost me those top yields? Or, or, or are you saying, no, what it means is it's going to cost you time and management, but you still have the potential for those good yields? Oh, yeah. I think that that's what we're, it's basically improving efficiencies in the system and still getting the, the same productivity. So if you manage nitrogen in a way uh, for talking about timing, for example, um, one uh, approach is to apply less at planting because then, you know, the plants don't need it right then and then apply um, later on as either a side dress. And now there's a lot of work looking at later application. And at that point, there is a better idea as to what, you know, what yields potential, the yield potential will be so that, that the rate can be adjusted, right? So the rate in itself, in some locations can be adjusted because we know the soil um, is providing good nutrition, particularly if farmers are looking after soil health in the sense of using cover crops, using manure. So all sort of taking account for these other sources of of nitrogen and basically feeding the microbes in the soil. And if the soil is healthy, it's it's able to provide more of that nitrogen needed by plants. And then what needs to be added in an inorganic form can be decreased. Um, And then, right? So, so that is one aspect. And then when you're actually applying the, the nitrogen, you're doing it in a way that uh, maximizes the efficiency. Okay. So, so we're, we're not only minimizing the loss of that nitrogen, so we're not applying sort of gratuitous or excess nitrogen. Uh, we're, we're, we're applying it over time. We're also getting a better understanding of that crop's potential at the time so we can apply what it needs rather than what it might need if we all mm-hmm. apply it all at the beginning. Right. Yeah. So that, that is one approach. Uh, involves different machinery. So sometimes those are the limitations, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and it also does involve additional work right as opposed to like more passes as opposed to applying everything at planting and kind of okay i'm yeah. done right uh, yeah. so there are those aspects and and then the other thing that we've looked into quite a bit with research is uh the use of inhibitors so these are products that are added to the fertilizer that will 
slow down some of the microbial conversions. Uh, so most nitrogen is added in ammonium form. So as urea, for example, uh, or as urea that then will become, will hydrolyze to ammonium. So if we add an inhibitor that will prevent some of that uh, hydrolysis so that the losses by ammonia volatilization decrease, then that also means we need, don't need to add as much, right? So, so, so what that slowdown process is, and you'll forgive an economist who's not a who's who's been a, who's a long time from chemistry here. Uh, you sort of extend the availability of that, uh, and so you don't need to put as much on because it you've slowed it down. You you keep the same amount of nitrogen available for the crop without having as much right. uh, and go up into the atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. So what we lot there's been lots of work on this. Uh, and uh, in, in specific to nitrous oxide, the reductions in emissions can be around like 40%. So now that those products cost more and, and, the, and they don't necessarily have been shown to increase yields, although sometimes they, they do. There's a bit of, bit of you know, hesitancy perhaps to use, especially now that fertilizer products are that much more expensive. As we talked at the beginning, there's no sort of one solution, uh, but I do feel or see now that more farmers are interested in this and seeing how they can make a contribution. Well, I, th so I, th I think there's, there, there's, there's certainly some momentum and it sounds like there's mm -hmm. things that we can do uh, yeah. to reduce the emissions associated with crops. What, and without without significantly risking uh, our yields. Now mm -hmm. it sounds like we have some cost to understand and work through, but I, I do also wonder. One question that comes up to me is: you talked about more passes over the field, uh, and we did talk mm -hmm. at the beginning about you know energy use in agriculture right. and the associated emissions. Can we do? Are the are the nitrous oxide reductions? significant enough that that the additional emissions associated with passes across the field are offset or are we still working through those details the emissions associated with fossil fuel the big part of that is uh, grain drying okay yeah and the passes on the field they they obviously there is an emission associated but the nitrous oxide tends to be much higher for for that. So about because it's also a very potent greenhouse gas, right? So for for example, we've done some calculations of the carbon footprint of corn production uh, up to what we call up to farm farm gate. So considering all the upstream emissions, and seventy percent of those are associated with uh, nitrous oxide emissions. Okay. Only thirty percent is. CO2 related. And then uh, of that, the majority is grain drying. So, so so we can so we can do we can do things. It requires more work. We're not necessarily compromising yields. We 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 might have some of those trade-offs. The the last question I'm going to ask you about cropping systems uh, it relates a little bit to you talked about soil type, you talked about weather conditions. 
we're hearing more and more about precision agriculture where we do sort of application rather than applying the same thing across the field, which we've done previously, and that's not necessarily bad. That was the technology we had at the time. We can now do both fertilizer application and weed control application specific to where the opportunity is. So if 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 we're low in one area, we can apply a bit more. If we're high in another area, we can apply a bit less. Is that another approach to, to emissions reductions? Yes, definitely. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, there is, so it has a lot of potential. Um, I think it depends a bit on how that decision is made as to where to apply more and where to apply less, right? So um, nitrous oxide is, it is a complex um, issue in the sense it's controlled by many variables and they have to be sort of optimal to get big peaks in emissions. And most of the time you don't have any. So we describe this as it's kind of a hot spot and hot moment phenomenon in the sense that if where there, so there are hot spots in the landscape where things come together, like there's wet conditions and um, nitrogen, uh, carbon also affects it. And then the hot moments is uh, like in time when, uh, so it tends to be fertilizer applied, a rain falls, and then we get big peaks. So it's about managing those hot spots and hot moments. So mm -hmm. in within a landscape, uh, there is potential then to manage it in a way that um, will reduce emissions. Uh, the question is how that will be done in practice, because I think often, I think the first reaction would be, well, how do you make the decision? Uh, and if there's less yield because it is a wet spot and you apply more nitrogen, then you actually get more emissions. Yeah. Right. So it has to be. Uh, and and I, as far as I know, there has not been a lot of uh, work done in this area, although um, it, it does have a lot of potential. Uh, now, if you approach it more like, well, here's an area that's wet, the yields are are lower. Um, if that's an area that gets retired because the productivity is low, then you know that that then has that could have impacts. And I think people have looked at that in terms of like conservation and returning to wetlands and and that kind of thing. Talking of wet areas now, dry areas. Then, if the limitation is water, you can't really control that with with nitrogen anyway. Right. So, so adding more nitrogen when you're when your rate limiting uh, input is water is is not going to be right. productive either. Yeah. Yeah. So then, if you'd apply less nitrogen there, well, I guess potentially you could. So the way to to, to look at this is well, if with the variable rate, if you're using less input then in general, we could say, well, the, the emissions should be less. Yeah. Okay. So, so in the end, and I realize I'm coming up to the end of the, uh, of the time that I promised I would take, and I'd love to circle back at some point and maybe talk about uh, uh, livestock agriculture. Oh, but, yes. 
but but let's let, let's wrap up and see if I if I can sort of concisely uh, summarize our conversation and give you the opportunity to say either a Mike you're wrong or B uh, you uh, you missed this and I think I should add this so uh, grain production does have uh, emissions associated with it. Uh, we are paying more attention to emissions. We are likely to have government uh, targets relative to emissions, uh, but that our understanding is such that there are things we can do today to reduce the emissions associated with uh, with uh, crop production uh, without significantly compromising our uh, our yields. And that we continue to learn more, and there will continue to be the evolution of technology. That that we will that there is hope for the future that we can maintain crop production while reducing the emissions associated with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is a, is a good summary. We we um, know a lot about managing nitrogen on the farm and um, managing it more efficiently. In the end, uh, you know, it, it benefits the environment, not just greenhouse gas emissions, but other uh, environmental losses. And uh, it also means that we're we're like the bottom line is is should overall be better for for farmers. Now, how do we get there? We need the farming community to buy into this and 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 become active because their knowledge of what happens in the farm is really important, right? Yeah. Uh, they're the ones that know best how, in a way, how to, to get there. If we start having these conversations and sort of set a common goal, I think we, we can get there, definitely, without reducing yields. And if the inputs are less or managed more efficiently, that means the profits are higher as well. So, so this 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 could be a win-win with some additional management, uh, with a cooperative approach to this, with uh, mm-hmm. the the experts on the farm of that location and the experts on on emissions reductions. There's really there's really hope that agriculture can play a very positive role in reductions while increasing profitability and not affecting food security. Mm-hmm. Yes, perfect. Definitely. Well, thanks, Claudia. I really enjoyed the conversation. I learned something and and I appreciate you taking the time. No problem. It was a pleasure. That wraps up another episode of the Food Focus podcast. We very much appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you just discovered Food Focus, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a review. It helps others find us. Before we go, I want to thank my producer, Zach, for his hard work in making each episode sound good. He does the hard work and we get to have all of the fun. Thanks. Have a great day.